grace to you as you draw near and worship Him. Uh, if you're joining us here live stream, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, as you are making your way to your seats, let me share just a couple of things with you before we begin. A uh, couple of announcements. The first is that uh, kind of a disappointing uh, announcement, but uh, we did have to go ahead and cancel our, our church picnic uh, at the Elliott Basin immediately following the service today. And um, though the weather may have changed a little bit, we did uh, base it on the weather. It looked like as of yesterday, late afternoon, that we were going to have some high chance of rain and uh, possible chance of thunderstorms. So we did go ahead and cancel it. I know that a lot of people, uh, for different reasons, could not make it anyway. And so we are perhaps uh, going to schedule something out in September, perhaps just to have it here at the church instead. So we will make sure to let you know ahead of time if we do go ahead and do that. Uh, secondly, this is a bit uh, far out, but uh, we are planning on September 24th, uh, that Sunday, merely following the service, to have congregational meeting uh, to at least accomplish two things. Number one is just to review the uh, church finances uh, for you, and secondly, to be able to have an opportunity to share just uh, some testimonies and encouragements uh, during that time. So uh, we will send some reminders to you ahead of time and all the necessary documents for your review uh, prior to that meeting. Uh, but anyways, let us go before the Lord and let us rejoice uh, in Him. Uh, you know that when, uh, when uh, wine tasters and go about tasting wine, a way to sort of, a common way to cleanse the palate is to eat some white bread. And perhaps uh, you have uh, tasted only bitterness recently, perhaps it's just this past week, uh, perhaps you've tasted the bitterness of trial or suffering or distress, and perhaps you've tasted that bitterness for a long period of time. Well, the Lord seeks to, to draw you near to himself this morning and to give you the living bread, uh, which is himself, in order to, to cleanse uh, your palate and prepare you to taste the sweetness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't care for wine or don't like it, hopefully the message still comes across the same uh, let us go before the Lord, take of the living bread that Jesus offers of himself so that we might be that bad, much more prepared to, to take and partake of the sweetness of the feast of the gospel of Jesus Christ through which he encourages us and reminds us of his precious promises. So let us go before the Lord and let us worship him this morning. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's worship this morning. I have a quick reminder in Psalms that says, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ears to the words of my mouth. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Amen. Let's sing together. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in Do not carry everything 
can we turn to in the midst of trials and temptations when we feel feel weak who else can we turn to but you father you truly are father our lord our rock and our redeemer God, may we, may we believe and walk in faith as you lead and guide us. May your truths, Father, may your word sustain our spirit, Father, as we As we desire, God, to walk according to your scriptures. May you, may we be reminded, Father, that your grace is far above anything that we can ever deserve. However, you have lovingly, sacrificially given us your grace through your son, Jesus. Who else can we turn to, Father, but to you? Lead us, sustain us, God. Lift us up. May your word speak to us today, God. May you be glorified in our time this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, you may be seated. At this time, we'll be dismissing our children to their classrooms. I'm going to read to us from 1 Peter 3, verses 6 through 7, and then we will spend some time in prayer. The word says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, let's go to the Lord and let us pray. Father, trials uh, in this life are, are unavoidable. And according to your word, some 
trials are even necessary. And whether trials come to us by your sovereign hand or whether trials come to us by our own, by the consequences of our own decisions, Lord, each and every trial is intended to strengthen the faith of your saints so that when Christ Jesus one day returns, the fruit of our faith will be glory and honor and praise. Glory and honor and praise because Christ Jesus has returned and all the trials are gone, but... The passage points to a glory and honor and praise directed towards the saint who endures the trials. The promise is that one day the saints will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And until that day comes, Lord, we suffer trials and the trials are are hard. And the hammer, Lord, of these trials, they strike hard upon the metal of our faith as it rests upon the anvil. But Lord, we, we take courage knowing that they are there for a purpose. And Lord, as we grieve through various trials, Lord, forgive us if we have sinned in our trials, if we if our response has been ungodly, if we have responded with anger, if we have responded with impatience, if we have been unloving towards those around us, if we have been given over to a sense of despair and hopelessness, Lord, forgive us. And Father, we thank you, Lord, because though we would not wish any trials upon ourselves, Lord, you you allow them and you permit them and sometimes you even orchestrate them in our lives in order to strengthen our faith and our confidence in the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We trust in you, Lord. We know that you know exactly how much pressure to apply. But you also know when and how to provide the medicine of your comfort when your saints need it most. Lord, would you help us to respond well under trial, to be patient under trial. Help us to hold fast to Jesus Christ. Father, we pray this morning for our sister Marge. Lord, continue to direct her paths, Lord, and be a light unto her steps. Give her wisdom, direction, clarity. Father, we pray that you might also help her to recover, Lord, from her most recent injuries. Father, we pray that you might help her to fix her eyes each day upon Jesus Christ as her precious Savior. We pray similarly, Lord, for, for Don and Brenda. Lord, would you continue to care for them and their health? Would you give them strength each day? More importantly, give them strength in their inner person. 
Would you help them, Lord, and remind them of your precious truths in the gospel, that they might have comfort in the assurance of their salvation in Christ Jesus, that they might remain hopeful and hope-filled. Guard them and protect them. Help them, Lord, to continue to pursue the Lord. We pray, Father, for our brother Bill Bridgewood, and Lord, continue to care for him this week. Strengthen his health, Father, and help him to abide in Christ Jesus. We continue, Father, to pray for for the Smiths, Lord, for the household, for the family. God, we pray that you may continue to apply your gospel comfort in this time, that you will continue to provide your, your gospel peace, your gospel rest, your gospel strength upon each and every one of them. We pray also, Lord, for others who are in a season of trial. Father, would you feed them this morning? Would you encourage your precious saints? Would you carefully and gently shepherd your precious people whom you have redeemed through your precious blood shed on the cross? Father, we pray for the Garlingtons as they prepare for the mission, Lord, that you have called them to. Father, in these coming weeks, we pray, Father, that it might be filled with gospel sweetness. Would you help us, Lord, to strengthen their hands, to encourage them? And in the meantime, Father, would you even just increase not only their joy in the gospel, but also increase their anticipation to share the joy of the gospel with those who have yet to hear it. Prepare them, Lord, for the work that you have called them to. Provide for every need. Give them wisdom and direction. We pray for their families as well, Lord, that they might be on board and that they, may, that they might be encouraged and that your peace would guard their hearts and their minds. Father, we pray for the gospel to continue to be proclaimed in New England, this glorious gospel, this gospel of hope. We pray that you would empower and embolden your church to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would give your church such an attraction to the world that they might see the light of the gospel in the life of believers. Lord, that your people might exude the joy of the gospel to those around them. That others might be drawn in so they might hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray also the island of Maui, Father, as we many are mourning, as many are grieving, as many are still hoping and waiting to find loved ones. Father, we pray for encouragement. We pray for strength. We pray for the pouring out of resources to, those, to help those who have lost everything. Father, even in this dark tragedy and trial, we pray that the light of the gospel might shine brightly 
and draw people to Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that those who are lost may be found. And lastly, Father, we pray we pray for fathers, we pray for dads, for those, we pray for those who, with children still in the home. Lord, help them, help us to exude the gospel of Jesus Christ to our precious children, that we might be faithful in shepherding our children, teaching them the ways of the Lord, teaching them to fear the Lord, for this is the path of wisdom. Help us to encourage our children that, our, that we might father our children with grace, with patience, with strength. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and understanding for this wonderful and glorious work that you have called us to. We pray for those, for fathers, Lord, who have already raised their children and their children are out and with their own families and raising their own children. Would you help them, Lord, to, might, to still be an encouragement to their precious children, that they might still be a source of strength, a source of wisdom that their children can lean upon and seek out. that you would give them wisdom to know how they may continue to encourage and strengthen the hands of their children, even though they may not be in the home anymore. We pray, Lord, for those children who have yet to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for these fathers, Lord, that they might not cease praying for the salvation of their precious children that they may not give up, that they might continue to besiege heaven with their prayers, pleading and begging, even with tears, that their precious children might come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that you would give these fathers the words and the courage to continue to proclaim the gospel to their precious kids. Father, we trust you for all of these things. God, and we know that you hear us, and we look forward to all that you are going to do. And so, Lord, we also join hearts, our hearts together in our voices in praying the prayer that you have also taught us to pray in the Scriptures, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you would, please turn with me to the Psalms. We are in Psalm 30 this morning. Psalm 30, verses 1 through 12. 
Word of God says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, we come to you this morning as those who are no longer dead in trespasses and sins, but have been made alive the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Father, despite the, the afflictions and the trials as some of us have experienced, Lord, let us drink of the joy that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you help us to fix our eyes on you and fix our eyes on your glorious gospel. Help us to receive the good food of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, for one, am glad that we are ending on Psalm 30. We've been going through the Psalms during the summer. And next week, we will explore a different topic, talking about creation and divine providence, and then turning back to the book of Acts. But Psalm 30, I think, is a fitting conclusion to the summer through the Psalms. And so I'm glad for at least a few reasons. Number one, because Psalm 30, in case you haven't noticed, is so good. I mean, it's delightful. It's, it's so delicious. I mean, you can serve this up for me every single morning, and I will enjoy it every single time. I mean, take notice of some of the words and some of the phrases or sentences that we find in the psalm. Anger being for a moment, but the favor of God being for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The turning of mourning into dancing, the loosening of the clothing of sorrow and distress into being clothed with gladness. Secondly, I like this psalm in part because of some of the bitterness that we have tasted over this month. Right? As dear precious saints are going through their own personal trials, and distress, 
as we consider brothers and sisters who are no longer with us and have gone on and finished the race and now are with Christ Jesus. We rejoice with that and still we taste a kind of bitterness because their presence is no longer with us. And we also, though we ourselves may not personally be going through a particular trial and God has favored us and been gracious to us in some sense because we are a family in Christ Jesus, we cannot help also but taste some of the bitterness that brothers and sisters themselves personally taste. And I'm also glad that we're ending on Psalm 30 because of the sweetness that is promised here in the psalm. And hopefully we'll get a taste of that sweetness as we work through the psalm. And part of what makes that which is sweet so sweet is when you have tasted some bitterness. So even before we get to some of the sweetness, let us first, as hard as it might be, to consider some of the bitterness that we see even in the psalm concerning, firstly, when calamity comes to lodge. In verse 6, the psalmist says, As for me, I said in my prosperity or in my security, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Some conflicting emotions going on here. It would appear that the psalmist has committed a kind of offense. Now, the entire psalm, I think, is a song of dedication, sort of the psalmist recounting the many deliverances that he has experienced with the gracious hand of the Lord. But here he focuses on a particular offense that he may have committed before the Lord. And so let's just sort of camp here for a moment because the psalmist's offense, I think, cautions us to a number of things, at least a few things that we ought to be aware of. And one thing is mistaking God's provision for self-sufficiency. That is taking a look at one's own hands and saying, look at what my hands have done. Look at all that my hands have provided Right? It's a mark of paganism to trust in one's own hands and never consider that it is actually the gracious hands of the Lord that ultimately has provided. A second caution for us to consider is treasuring those gifts more than treasuring the giver of those gifts. Right? That's a mark of idolatry. We focus so much on the gifts, and we delight in the gifts, and we take great pleasure in the gifts, forgetting that God is the ultimate giver of those gifts, that we should be focusing our pleasure and our joy and our satisfaction first and foremost in Him. The third caution is when we become so fixated on the gifts to the neglect of beholding the Lord. We fix our eyes so much on the gifts here and now, the eternal pleasure, or the, the worldly, the earthly, or the temporary pleasures that we have in this life, and then we forget about the Lord. 
Right? We want to be cautious of those things. And it would seem that the psalmist himself is experiencing a kind of discipline. His trial is a form of discipline because, in a way, he has forgotten the Lord. So he says, I trusted in my own hands. It's a negative statement. And then in the positive statement, in verse 7, by your favor, O Lord. In other words, he's recognizing at one hand, I trusted in myself, but on the other hand, I'm also recognizing, no, it is God who ultimately is my giver. And if I have anything, it comes from his hand. And because he has forgotten that, the Lord hid his face, and as a result, the psalmist is dismayed. Those are some wise words in Proverbs 37 when it says, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful or necessary for me, or give me only what is necessary, lest I be, I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Sometimes the trials that we face in life are a form of the Lord's discipline if we have, in fact, committing an offense before the Lord. But even when we are disciplined by the Lord, we should not be too discouraged or to think that the Lord has somehow abandoned us or has forsaken us. Consider the words of Hebrews 12, verse 5. It says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they who disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Sometimes we experience trials because the Lord aims to discipline us for our sins and our offenses, but even that, he intends to communicate his love towards us. And this is a mark of adoption. It's a mark of family. It's a mark of being a child of the living God. But not all trials are a form of the discipline of the Lord. Not all trials that the saints experience is not owing to some kind of sin or some offense that they have committed before the Lord. The Lord permits certain distresses and certain trials to come upon the life of believer for his own purposes and reasons. And as we read earlier in 1 Peter 3.6, we know that in all trials... The purpose is intended to strengthen the faith of the precious saints. 
So leaving the discipline of the Lord and focusing much more broadly on the trials that the saints endure, sometimes calamity and distress comes to lodge in the form of these trials. They come to take their place, to make an abode, to make their dwelling in the life of the precious believer. For reasons that sometimes we know and for sometimes reasons that we do not understand and may never know. Dmitry Shostakovich, I think I'm pronouncing that rightly, It's a Russian composer under, living under Stalin's Russia. And Stalin wanted, and you might even say threatened, all musicians and composers to only compose positive and lighthearted and optimistic music. Dmitri, on the other hand, would not. But he sought to express through his music the reality of living under Stalin's Russia. And if you listen to Dmitri's string quartet, number eight in C minor, it is actually a very oppressive and a very dark piece. It's melancholic, it's gloomy, it's, it's dark, it's bitter. He sought to express through the sound of music the hopelessness, the despair of living under such a leader. And if you listen to the song to its, through its entirety, the song doesn't end well. In fact, this, it, it, it doesn't seem to end at all. It's like it doesn't land the plane. The plane is still up in the sky, experiencing strong turbulence. It's like the ship never reaches the harbor. It's still in the ocean, storm-tossed to and fro. And there are moments in the song where you think that it might end and it doesn't end. And even in the conclusion, it's not really a conclusion. It's sort of, you kind of are left with this feeling of like, like it's just, there's no end. Like it just sort of keeps going. As human beings, like we, we want a joyful conclusion. We want the fairy tale ending. But there's no such thing in Dimitri's song. And sometimes the trials of the saints are like that. Calamity comes to lodge in our lives and comes playing Dimitri's song. And we get a sense of that. We consider the psalm. And some of the words it uses from Sheol or the grave it says about being among the pit, weeping, the night, the pit, dust. Is this feeling of dying. And Dimitri's song is, is over 20 minutes long. And sometimes when calamity comes to lodge, right, you wonder, when's it going to go away? How long is it going to lodge for? 
is going to continue to play this depressing music on and on and on and on and on. We have no idea how long the night is going to endure. But as we continue to look on the psalm, we see that the psalm also shows us that we're not left alone with a calamity that comes to lodge. Secondly, we see that there's a third party who also comes to lodge. When we consider the language of the psalm, this language of descent and ascent, this language of death and resurrection, we would be remiss if we did not take notice, if we ignored, if we had not noticed the prophetical flavor of the psalm. I mean, you just consider the opposing emotions, these emotions that are juxtaposed, these emotions that are contrary to one another. Right When you read that weeping may tarry in the night, but joy comes in the moment. There's first the anger that is but for a moment, and then there is this favor from God for a lifetime. The sackcloth of mourning then turns to being clothed with gladness. These positive and negative statements, these positive and negative emotions are intended to highlight for us the temporary nature of these negative emotions. They serve to to show us the fact that indeed weeping may tarry for the night, but joy certainly will come. That the darkest emotions may feel like they are going on and on and on and on, but the promise is that they are just temporary. They're not going to last. Even though Dimitri's song may be 20 minutes, it might even seem longer as you listen to it. But it does end. Because the song is temporary. Just as the song of trial and affliction may feel like it's going on and on, but it does end. The psalm would appear to be putting to words the lived experience of Jesus Christ as we consider the prophetical nature of the psalm. It gives words to the calamity of Jesus himself as he was lifted up on the cross while at the same time feeling as if he was sunk so low to the ground, even to the pit. That even as he was suspended in the air, crucified to the cross, looking down upon all those who were looking up at him, beholding a kind of spectacle, at the same time, the reality of his experience is that he himself felt like he was being looked down upon as a criminal, as one who was filled with shame. As he himself feels the anger of God directed towards him. Why? Because he, there on the cross, bore the sins of his people. The anger that should have been directed towards us is directed instead towards the precious Jesus Christ. And as Jesus there agonizing, weeping, because his God, his Father, has hid his face from him, hence why he cries out, Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Sometimes emotions expressed with pen and paper is better expressed than audibly. Sometimes anguish is better said in poetic form. Sometimes pain is communicated better when put to a song. Sometimes an instrument can express our lived experience better than we could with our own words. And the psalm seems to be expressing in poetic and even in song form the agony and the pain of Jesus Christ. The pain and agony that he endured, not because of his own sin, but because of your sin and mine. And we know this psalm is intended to point to Jesus Christ, not because of the language of death and resurrection, descent and ascent that it uses, but also because Jesus himself tells us, as he takes his disciples on the road of Emmaus at the end of Luke, that he goes on to show them how the scriptures, all of it, are intended to point to himself. But we can read the psalm into the calamity of Jesus when calamity has come to lodge in his life. And when we read it in that light, when we take this psalm and read it into the experience of Jesus, we also then see that his anguish and his travail was also temporary. Because descent gave way to ascent, death gave way to life, the tune of anger was overshadowed by the favor of God, weeping was turned to joy, mourning was turned to, to dancing, and sackcloth was turned to clothing of gladness. So that indeed the calamity of Jesus was temporary and that what, that which was temporary gave way to that which was permanent and that is permanent joy and permanent rest and permanent peace and permanent delight. So that God has taken a dark piece of music and he's phased it out and he's turned it into a music of joy and a music of glory. God's people have gone centuries without hearing a prophetic voice until finally Jesus had entered the scene, changing Dimitri's dark song into something much more optimistic and much more joy-filled. Hence why the angels declared to the lonely shepherds in the middle of the night as they blazed forth with, with light and glory, saying to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Saying similarly, Matthew 4, 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them the light has dawned. In Christ Jesus, there is a security that has been purchased for all of his precious saints. And that is that the song of distress and darkness and gloom and calamity and even of suffering will be turned into a song of joy. Jesus was honest with his disciples when he says in John 16, 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn, there's a key word, will turn 
into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The joy of the saint is secured in the person of Jesus Christ, like the flaming swords that protected the Garden of Eden from anyone entering. So the joy of the Christian is safe, locked, hidden in, and protected in Christ Jesus, so that as long as Jesus remains resurrected and alive, the joy of the Christian is always safely secured in Christ Jesus. So that because Jesus lives and will never die again, the joy of the Christian is then also forever enduring. It is inseparable from Christ Jesus. Christ takes the song, the dark song that might last for a long time, and he shortens it, and he phases it into a better song, a song that is going to last forever. In Christ Jesus, the security that we have is that while we might hear for a period of time, and even for a long season, only Dimitri's dark song, the promise is that that will not be our last song. The song of Jesus the song of the gospel, the song of glory and joy and delight will be the last song. So knowing this, how might this help us today? That takes us to thirdly, hope-filled and confident in future joy. So knowing that Dimitri's song will not be our last song because Christ has made it that that will not be our last song. This helps us to pray today. It helps us to pray with hope. Then Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This passage actually bears a striking resemblance to what we see here in the Psalms and juxtaposing two very different experiences, two very different emotions or two different realities. What's contrasted here is light with weight, momentary with eternal, and affliction with glory is that one will certainly give way to the other. Christ has secured it for us. And so that knowing these things, we can pray each day with hope. This keeps us from despair. This keeps us from hopelessness. This keeps us from giving up. So we can pray today with this hope that morning certainly will be turned into dancing. Secondly, this gives us a solid confidence. Jesus, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, has created a pattern for all those who follow him. And that pattern is, yes, mourning and trials come, but they will always give way to joy and delight. 
And so this gives us a solid confidence today so that when we do endure trials, we can also know that the song is going to change. It's not going to last forever. Christ has made it so. And thirdly, it helps us to endure patiently. When we know these things, when we are confident in these things, when we believe that, yes, Christ has secured a glorious song for us, it helps to dull the strongest and the sharpest sounds in Dimitri's song. Something that helps is memorizing Scripture, particularly memorizing the promises of God. The, memori- the, the promises of the Lord are intended to be, are intended to give off a kind of sweetness when all you taste is bitterness. reminding you that the Lord is good, that the Lord is faithful, that the Lord keeps and protects His people, that the Lord is the gentle shepherd of His sheep. Recalling those scriptures when you need them most is helpful in enduring trials patiently. It's helpful for us, even as those of us parents and kids in the home, to train up our kids and help them to remember or memorize, rather, these precious promises in the gospel so that when they do have trials in their life, they have something to recall, taste, some sweetness of these gospel promises when life brings a measure of bitterness. Old Betty got saved much later in life. But with the energy and strength that she had, she just she served. She helped people in the church. She did this, she did that. She was all about those things until one day, She was stricken with an illness. And from then on, she was bedridden. Her minister came to her one day, and they had conversations, and he asked her, Betty, it must be be hard to be bedridden. And you were all about, you were doing various different things, you were energetic, you were lively, and now you're bedridden. Is it hard? And she says, sometimes it is. But it's not as hard as it could be. And I had my energy and my strength. I did what the Lord wanted me to do. I served, I helped, I took care of this. I served the Lord in all these different ways. But now it was seen that the Lord is just simply calling me to just lie down and rest. In those moments when it's hard, I recall these precious promises of the gospel that helps me to taste bit of sweetness. When it seems as though things are a bit bitter now, 
for those of us who are younger, for those of us who still have minds intact, for those of us who still have a measure of strength and energy, now is the time to pour yourself out into the Word. Now is the time to memorize some sweet promises in the Scriptures because there may come a time when you might be bedridden and you cannot do anything but just lie there and rest and just ruminate on some sweet promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one more thing that I think the psalm calls us to as we consider how the Lord turns weeping into joy and secures for us a glorious song in his precious gospel. And that takes us forth and lastly to aliveness to God in worship. I consider the psalm, and as I read through it, I cannot help but feel a sense of a sense of life in the psalm. And some of the words that he uses, he begins the psalm by saying, "I will extol you, O Lord," and then he calls the congregation, "Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints." Gave thanks to His holy name. The anger might be for a moment, but His favors for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Even in considering the kind of discipline that he himself is experiencing, he pleased the Lord. Lord, what profit is there if I were to go down to the pits? Those who are dead do not worship you. Their lips are silent. They cannot praise you. And then the result is, 11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. The Lord has delivered. He has loosed my sackcloth of grieving, and then enclosed me with gladness so that my glory or my deliverance or my restoration now may sing of the joy of the Lord and sing His praise. In Christ Jesus, the saints have this eternal sunrise that began with the morning that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And in this eternal morning, gloom is always made temporary by the light of this eternal sunrise in Christ Jesus and the gospel, producing or should produce then a wealth of worship. The rainfall of God's grace should produce a harvest of praise. The Puritan Matthew Henry says, joy is the heart of praise, as praise the language of joy. You and I certainly are allowed our seasons of grief and sorrow. But always, even in times of peace and rest, even to walk about during such seasons with sort of like this Eeyore-like disposition, casts a dark shadow of the joy of the gospel and gives the world the most compelling reason to not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. My dear saints, you have been saved. You've been redeemed, no longer dead in trespasses, but been made alive in Christ Jesus. Once you were deserving of the wrath of God, but now you have received mercy. Once deserving of eternal judgment, but now have received eternal life in paradise with Christ. So that when someone might ask you, 
right? Are you happy to be a Christian? Are you, do you like being a Christian? The response should not be, well, yeah, I guess. You just won a million dollars. Wow, you must be so excited. Right, are you excited? Well, I guess. You just had a baby. Congratulations. You must be exuberant. Well, I guess. Wow, you just got married. Congratulations. You must be extremely happy. Are you happy? Well, I guess. Right, who responds that way? Right, nobody responds that way. It's like, are you alive? And even in deteriorating health, a sign of aliveness in Christ Jesus is simply holding fast to Jesus. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. If you went to the shop, to the mechanic... I went to the mechanic and said, my car needs repair. It needs new brakes and rotors, it needs a new transmission, it needs this, this, and that. And the mechanic is going to look at you and say, well, I can tell you it's going to cost you a fortune to fix that old car. With that money, you could just simply go and buy yourself a brand new car. And you're like, oh, okay. So you go and buy yourself a new car. Right? And you immediately notice a difference. Right? It, it sounds better, it drives a whole lot better, it looks better, it even smells better. Christ Jesus came and gave his life not to repair the old, but to purchase something new, to cause us to be born again, to give us new life. The point is that a mark of aliveness in Christ Jesus is worship, is praise, is giving honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, because Jay, Jay Smith the other day had shared that as Jean was in the hospital last week, but there was, a, I think it was a a universalist minister of some sort making his round and came to Jean's room and talking with her and she just said, I believe in Jesus. And he sort of fumbled his words and didn't really know what to say in response to that. That's encouraging. That's a sign of aliveness in Christ Jesus. I want to make sure you know I, I believe in Jesus. To be alive in Christ Jesus, it's a difference between sort of a, a sagging and drooping rose and one that remains, that stands tall and blooming. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with one's physical strength or stamina. It's an inner disposition. It's a difference between a kite that is just there the ground not doing anything and the kite that is soaring in the sky by the winds. Take heart. 
morning may tarry, but joy comes in the morning. Perhaps through this difficult season that we've been experiencing, perhaps the Lord may be preparing His church to receive His blessings. Who knows? I pray that that might be the case. But if we mourn, let us mourn with hope, confident in the God who can turn sorrow into joy and has secured that joy for us in Christ Jesus so that when sorrow comes to lodge with us, playing his dark piece, Christ assures us that that will not be our last song, but his magnificent song will be our last song. By way of response, we're going to take communion together this morning. So if you haven't grabbed one of these cups yet, you are welcome to head towards the back. There's a table in the back where you can grab one of these cups so we can take communion together. Christ Jesus commands this church in the scriptures to take this bread in the cup when his people gather together. Scriptures tell us that the bread represents the bruised body of Jesus Christ, bruised on our behalf because of our sins and what our sins deserve. And that the cup represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that cleanses us from all our sins and securing us eternal forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Whether you are here this morning, a member or not, if you are a guest visiting with us, if you have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior and have given your life to following him, and if your life is characterized by repentance and a constant walking in holiness and confession of sins before the Lord, and if you have received baptism, then you are invited to take this meal as a brother or sister in Christ. But if you have yet to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ as your, or have believed in Jesus as your precious Savior, let me ask that you not take this meal with you. And the reality is that Dimitri's song is played over your life. And there is no end to it. In fact, apart from Jesus, the song will continue forever and ever and ever, each tune getting sharper. and only increasing in its intensity. Should the Lord give you into eternal distress, should you continue to live apart from Jesus Christ? The promise of the gospel is that that song can change today by receiving Christ Jesus as your Savior, believing in Him as the one who died on the cross, and rose again from the dead, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you believe in that gospel, then you will be saved. You will be forgiven of your sins. And Christ then secures for you that Dimitri's song will not be your last song. So if you have given your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
even if you come this morning, guilty conscience, if you cannot help but remember a sin that you have committed yesterday, the day before, the week before, or even this very morning prior to coming here, the Lord invites you to still partake of this meal because this is a reminder to you and I that all of our sins have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. So even if you take this meal, be confident in the Lord's forgiveness of your sins. So before we take, let us take a moment to pause and reflect on the gospel and trust in the forgiveness that has been secured for us in Christ Jesus. We're going to take this in the same manner that we've done before. We'll take the bread and take the cup afterwards. Saying loudly to ourselves, to one another, that this is the body of Christ bruised for us. This is the blood of Jesus shed for us. So let's take the bread together. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ bruised for you. The body of Christ bruised for me. In the same way, the cup. Brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus shed for you. The blood of Jesus shed for me. Jesus you have secured for us an eternal joy. Though it does not mean that we are always walking about with a smile upon our face, though it does not mean that we are always walking about with a sense of excitement, this joy that you have secured for us is something internal. This joy is a, is a kind of living. So that when all we taste is the bitterness of life, we still walk about with this aliveness that comes not from us, but comes from the salvation that we have graciously received of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to walk about with this enduring joy. This joy that is expressed in worship, that is expressed in gratitude, that is expressed 
and singing of your great grace. Lord, you invite us to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And indeed you are. Help us to continue to taste of the sweetness of this precious gospel. As long as we live. And let us take heart and take courage knowing that you have secured for us a precious and glorious and joy-filled song. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship. Let's worship one more time. Um, in light of today's message, right? be our response. Amen. Lord, from sorrows deep I call when my hope is shaken, torn and ruined from the fall, hear my desperation. For so long I pled and prayed, God come to my rescue, even so the thorn remains, still my heart will soul, questions without answers, on my faith these pillows roll, God be now my shelter, why are you cast down my soul, open him who saves you, when the fires have all grown cold, cause this heart to praise you. Pleasure when all I possess. 
Father, I pray that you would that you would graciously grant us confidence and trust that you truly are good and faithful in the midst of these trials and temptations. Remind us, Father, of the sweet joy that comes after discipline. May we pray with hope as we heard today. And assurance as we endure trials and momentary afflictions. God, may our response to your promises and truth ultimately produce worship. Worship that comes from the understanding and joy of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Remind us, Lord, Again, of that eternal, hope-filled, and confident joy that we will one day have. With you, Father, with Jesus. Again, Lord, you are worthy of our praise this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Word of God says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. Church, God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.